welcome to this episode of Comics Deserve Better, where we cover the latest, greatest, and sometimes not so great um, in indie non-licensed comics. Tonight, we'll be discussing Copra Round One by Michelle Fife, the self-published success story slash kind of Suicide Squad fan comic. Um, so we'll be discussing that, plus some great, some really awesome news that a lot of you will be interested in, and some other books, some manga, some vault stuff, dark horse, image, the usual. So um, yeah, so I'm gonna lead off with the news today. So Humanoids is this French publisher. And this past week, they said they are releasing this book called The Seven Lives of Alejandro, Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky in order in uh, honor of his book, The Ink All, that he did with uh, Mobius, in honor of their 40th anniversary. And he even read The Ink All. It's one of the best sci-fi comics ever. Like, get that shit at your local library. You can get it pretty cheap on Comixology. Um, it's really good um, sci-fi, kind of cyberpunk stuff. And yeah, and Jodorowsky, yeah, he's just, he's a great creator. He's done comics, film, visual art. He did a, um, he was supposed to do a, a Dune adaptation with like Pink Floyd was going to do the sound. There's a whole documentary. Just watch a documentary. So yeah, so we get a kind of a cool monograph. And he's still alive. He's like 90. We get a whole monograph of his creative work. So if you're a fan of, of Jodorowsky or just, I don't know, creative people in general, might be worth checking out. So what news do you have for us, Brian? Um, I have that the um, the comic uh, Little Bird. Uh, they have teased the creators have teased a prequel called uh, Precious Metal, and uh, it's um, everyone has been waiting for see what's going to happen for this creative team after their Eisner nominated, maybe Eisner winning. I think they released nominated um, a book from last year uh, called Little Bird, uh, which is a kind of a post-apocalyptic um, adventure. And uh, so, yeah, they're, they're going to have a prequel. So maybe pre-apocalypse um, or, or just at the apocalypse. We'll, we'll find out. Uh, nothing much yet has been revealed. Is there a release date or is it just like a teaser? Uh, 2021. So we got next year. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, it's it's really interesting sometimes to see just like that 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 moment of like before the world ends, mm-hmm. like right now. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in you know kind of similar world ending, but more a real world. Uh, this past week, uh, the feel goods feels good man, um, Pepe uh, documentary dropped. Uh, it's about the work of Matt Fury, who's the creator of Pepe the Frog, which used to be a really fun slacker indie comic. Um, it was in a lot of like old anthologies, like the Meat House anthologies. Then it got like co-opted by the alt-right, unfortunately. And so this, I guess this documentary is just him. I haven't seen it, it looks amazing. Um, you can stream it. I guess it's him like unpacking like how his work has been co-opted. And also probably like origin story stuff too. Um, so what do you guys think about that? I think it's very interesting. It's one of those things that I think is kind of terrifying, uh, just as a concept. Like you create this thing and you're proud of it and excited about it, and kind of the worst thing possible happens. These terrible people decide to make it their avatar, literally. Uh, so I think it's something definitely worth watching to see 
kind of how it happened and maybe try to get his own back, hopefully, try to take some of that back. I don't think it is possible, really, to get that back. It's definitely kind of fully out of the box, and they've taken ownership of it, but hopefully he can get something out of it. Yeah, um, yeah. a few years ago, Fanographics did a, because uh, the, the, most of the Pepe stories were, were published by Fanographics, um, like the more, more recent ones, I think. They, uh, they in their, their free comic book day issue, there was the, like, the death of Pepe, and kind of, kind of, I think it's, it was probably, it's probably like a, kind of like a teaser of what's going to happen in the, the documentary. It's like, it's like his funeral, and, and I think he, like, I don't know, I think he, like, pisses on his own corpse or something. I don't know. But that's, but, but it's like, but it's like really playful. I mean, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a frat, it's like a frat with frogs, pretty much. That, that's just the whole vibe from it, which is like why it's like so messed up, like, that it's been turned into a Nazi symbol. It's just like, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, and on a happier note, much happier note, very, very much happier note. So this, um, there, you've probably, I don't know, if you're on the internet, you've probably seen a, 10 years ago, the Scott Pilgrim versus the world based on the comic of the same title movie came out. And there's been a lot of, there's supposed to be a, they were supposed to re-release the movie in theaters, but you know, COVID happened and that's the last place I want to be. So they've done some other stuff. Like they did a table read, which is a lot of fun. And now they, after I think Edgar Wright and like a bunch, like the, the guys who did the music for the original game, a lot of nudging on Twitter, um, Looks like the Scott Pilgrim beat 'em up kind of retro beat 'em up game is going to be coming out. It's going to be re-released for all the all the consoles: Switch, which I'm excited about, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, all the all the modern consoles um, this holiday. And also, it also includes the Wallace Wells and Knives expansion pack, so you can play as those characters too. Um, so, have you guys played this game or? I never played it, so it's something I might be looking into getting. I'm not sure I'm in the middle of something right now, so. But it's definitely of interest, especially if it's on sale, which is the way I buy games always. But. Me too. I definitely it's going to be on sale, and uh, I've heard many great things about it. At the time it came out, I didn't really have um, a modern video game system so um didn't get to play it back then but i love brawlers so i've always been excited to play this plus the fact that it has all the the soundtrack music pixelated and like in like 8-bit style um makes me really excited just to even listen to the soundtrack yeah the soundtracks i've actually this is so fucking nerdy but i've, I've actually listened to the soundtrack but not the played not played the game um Anna Monaguchi did the, uh, they're like a chiptune band, did the, uh, did the music. And nice. They also, um, they also, yeah, they did, they also did, I think they did some movie, some in the movies too, but they're pretty, it's, it's just a really good soundtrack for sure. Uh, yeah. And yeah, no, no, I've like seen gameplay footage and a lot, lots of homages to um, old beat 'em up games and right like so mm -hmm. it's not just you know fight like different fighting styles I'm like I'm, I'm excited honestly like that 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 film that comic was like it, it is a video game so it's like only logical uh, oh yeah definitely and I'm, I'm kind of hoping I mean my one of the 
only complaints I have about that movie is that it's ninety percent the first volume and the and then the rest of the of of the of the uh, movie is the other five volumes that that preceded or, or came afterwards. So um, I'm hoping it, this is a little better spread out. Yeah, than, I don't. I honestly, I think it's just it's just it's all uh, all killer no filler. It's just going to show the fights and. Nice. I, mean, I guess I guess they just assume you you know the storyline from the comic and the, the Yeah, movie. I guess that works too. And also, hopefully, there's a subway level, all the final fight. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool. I hope they, I hope there's some subspace. Well, that's what you're gonna say yeah. subspace at first. But. That would work too. Subway, subspace. It's yeah. all good. Cool. Summary sandwich. Go for that. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So really excited, man. We might have to do a. I might have to like. We might have to. I might have to stream this or something. I'm really bad at video games, so. <laughs> I'm also very bad at video games. I've always been very bad at video games. I'm fully okay with it. Everybody who gets really, really anal about, oh, video games, video games, video games, you can't play unless you're good, apparently. I don't no. know what that's about. Like, I suck at them, but I love them anyway, and I play all the time. And I'm terrible, and I'm perfectly, you know, I'm an adult. I've been bad my whole life. My mom's better at video games than me. She probably isn't now. She's 60 and hasn't played in years but like when i was a kid and we first got a nintendo she was better than me and she was better than me most of my life and screw it i don't care hey those those uh you know that those like late like my, my dad's around the same age like those those like kind of late baby boomer gamers like they're they're the real shit like i mean <laughs> right. they, grew up, they grew up in an era where every play of a game costs money right or, or like yeah. if you don't have the nes or the game boy like you're gonna like there's no save like you're gonna die like that silver surfer like there's no no respawn no like so like yeah they weren't you know spoiled and <laughs> that's kind of how well, that's i was too yeah yeah that was that was you know we got mom had this is completely unimportant for anything but that's our first system was the nes yeah. and so that's that's how it was she was an adult when we got it i was a child when we got it and we kind of grew up with it together but she was an adult so she was better at it (laughs) (laughs) well that's awesome that that she showed interest in it yeah um, i got we got an es2 but i was like six and i think my my dad might have played it once and he was like "Eh, okay and moved on but my sister and i thought this was the greatest thing in the world so (laughs) We bought it because my dad. My dad's a gadget head. I have, nice. you know, a PlayStation 4 now because yeah. it's my dad's. I stole it from him last week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's so cool. And a Switch. The Switch is mine, but the oh. PlayStation 4 is my dad's. Switch is, is absolutely crucial. Yes, yeah, it is. yeah. Games, games based on indie comics for the win. There's a few of them out there. There's that Black Sod game and the mm-hmm. Fables game, which is really awesome. The I, think, yeah. I played that like I think I stayed up all night and almost was late to work playing that game. So it's it's good. Cool. So let's let's see, let's move away from the video games back into the comics. Uh Darcy, what is your quick hit this week? My quick hit this week is uh Flowers of the Deep Sleep by Yuana Kazumi. It is an old manga uh that was put out by Tokyo Pop in about I say old, it's not like old, old. But old for a lot of people, it was put out in the early 2000s. 
2000, like four, 2005, so mid 2000s, I suppose. Uh, so older than that in Japan. Uh, basic concept. I Last week and weeks earlier when I've been giving manga, they've been long manga, unfinished manga. So I wanted to give something short and complete. And that's what this is. It's two volumes. It's finished. Nice. So it's easy to get into. It's done and available in the U.S. if you're looking for it. Um, it's also completely different from last week's in that if last week's was calm and chill, uh, this is super teen romance. It's super angsty and all that wonderful. Oh my God, he likes me. He likes her. I like him. She likes him, whatever. It's ridiculous. Basic concept. This girl can see she dreams and in her dream, she sees the future. And anyone who has dreams of the future is going to die by the time they turn 20 unless they get married. So she's your main character. She has a twin sister and uh, there are two brothers who comes in and they have their own sort of dreamy powers and she has to pick one of them to marry. So you have two sisters and two brothers and they're your whole love couple. And then the sort of mystery around it is all these people start falling asleep and the three dream power havers have to figure out why all these people are falling asleep and how to get them to wake up again with their various powers. She sees dreams. One of the brothers can look into people's hearts and another one of the brothers can help keep people calm can like heal people's uh sadness and so it's it's really good fairly simple but it's kind of very emotional and fun the art's really good uh it, it definitely has some of that early 2000s art vibe and that it's a little bit sharper than you see today uh and it, again it is very teen angsty but if you like teen angsty comic romance, this is great for it. And I highly recommend it. I loved it when I was, you know, 15. I wasn't 15. I was 20, I think. But, you know, <laughs> let's ignore that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> let, let me guess. You were in a Borders books, chilling in the aisles, reading that shit. No, we didn't have a Borders book. So oh. I was in Hastings, which is very similar, but it was a local, um, okay. which totally just gave a way where I live to anybody who um, knows that it's kind of a local thing uh, but they don't exist anymore which is tragic same with borders yeah yep. also yeah same with borders yeah uh, yeah just man that, that's like how we got into comics it's just like Barnes and Noble borders just mm -hmm. showing out of the aisles mm -hmm. like probably pissing off the employees probably <laughs> that yeah well then the, I liked when they started having the cafe because I would just like get a coffee and just like get a stack. I, I think I read most of like Karen Gillan's Uncanny X-Men run that way. <laughs> I don't think I ever did that. Yeah, but cool. Um, so uh, Brian, what is your uh, quick hit this week? Uh, I have On the Stump, uh, number five. Um, and uh, written by Chuck Brown uh, with the art by Prenzy. And essentially, it's um, this is the end of a, the first story arc of this series, um, On the Stump, um, if you can't tell by the name, is a political comic, um, but it has 
a uh, wrestling vibe to it. Um, effectively, what happened in, in alternate history is that there was once a um, it was a um, a debate that ended up where the the person who was losing the debate got up and started fighting physically, like wrestling the the other the other person, and the crowd loved it. So they decided that now the uh, the politicians are also going to be basically professional wrestlers. So they all have their own personas and names. And, and that's how you get one. That's how you get um, onto the Senate is by wrestling um, these, these, these crazy matches. Um, and, and also that's how you get um, laws passed is by you're the backer of this law. And then you fight someone who's against the law. And if you win, the law gets passed. So it's um, it's it's a very interesting concept. It's uh, it's it's um, it, it's definitely over the top. Um, gets kind of crazy and um, and a little like bloody and, but it's but at the same time it's just it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I love it. Uh, I love it desperately. Yeah. There's <laughs> a there's a ridiculous fan fiction about Clint Barton becoming president and he arm wrestled. <laughs> uh, Donald Trump during a debate and I just adore it. I love wrestling for presidential elections. I love I love it. It's great. It, it is great because if you think about it, I mean the the way politicians are, are evolving now, it they're almost as like gregarious and and Basically. crazy as like these re- as wrestlers, but they're not <laughs> acting. This is just the way exactly. they are. Exactly. Yeah. So, so well, like yeah. I mean, back in the day, was it one guy who like caned his opponent on the Senate yeah. floor? Yeah, mm-hmm. like, they've caned. gotten into fights before. Yeah, yeah. So, if you're ever interested of having a senator named Thunderbearer, I would definitely uh, check out this comic. Nice. What, well, you know, Jesse the whatever Ventura. Yeah, he was. That's a, true. He almost ran for president. Jesse the mind. He, he might was, still. I mean, it's, it's kind of late now, but. I thought it was a very interesting time in our politics when we had two actors from Predator as uh, governors of different <laughs> states. <laughs> it was awesome. Of the early 2000s, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so is this book, is it set in modern times or is it like it, it is modern times um okay. it all it also kind of goes into like the um into the washington dc politics and the idea that there's like underground dealings and um like different style of um of like of like secret societies and stuff like that too it's just it's basically everything that you know every conspiracy theory you could possibly think of when it comes to the government plus wrestling <laughs> so it's this sounds amazing <laughs> it's interesting it's fun yeah. It, it gets a little it gets a little gory some, sometimes, but it's definitely still a, a fun read. That's all good. Cool. And my quick hit this week, um, this book technically it comes out, but it'll be out by the time this episode drops. It, it the title is really long and clunky, but it's "You Look Like Death: Tales from the Umbrella Academy" number one by Gerard Way, Sean Simon, and Ian J. Colbert. And what it basically, it's, it's, a, it's a Klaus solo comic. Uh, it's set, it's like a prequel to Umbrella Academy. It's set, uh, he gets, obviously he gets kicked out of the Umbrella Academy by Sir Reginald Hargreaves because he's a drug addict who brings ghosts into the house. Not a good fit for that world. And he's, he kind of goes off on his own and runs into a gorilla vampire drug lord. And 
by the end he kind of ends up in Hollywood but it's it's really fun it's like I think I, I reviewed it this past week and it it basically just like hooks up like straight to your like pleasure receptors of your brain it's just like all fun all Klaus just like he spends the first five pages like trolling his uh his siblings and then he just kind of goes out and just does drugs does crazy stuff um gets into scrapes and and i, and I think that the the subsequent issues will be better because like he's in hollywood now and like doing great and then the art's super good it's um so it's like the one of the first umbrella academies that gabriel ba hasn't done the art for but i think i and jake Hilbert does a does a really good job he um, really clean art, really, really easy to follow. Um, I like how he draws uh, his powers, like the seance powers, like the ghosts and stuff. Because, yeah, uh, Klaus in the comics has way more powers than he does in the show. And that, and that's one thing I like about the Umbrella Academy comics. They, like, they go way, way further than the show. But the show's good, but, like, the comics, like, <laughs> I mean, they, the, the first issue is, like, zombie robot Gustav Eiffel versus the Umbrella Academy. Like, so, and yeah. And That's that, why I and try to keep getting my mom into the comics, but she just yeah. won't do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Like, this show is a little more, I don't know, easy, easier to follow. Subdued. It's kind of relaxed. Like, and honestly, I think it does a better job with certain characters. But that's, an, that's, an, that's another thing why I like this Klaus book is it's just focusing on Klaus. Like and it's he, taking its time and and I and I really hope they do more of these. Like I know they did one of Hazel and Cha Cha because they were like the yeah. uh, you know breakouts of the the first season of the TV show. But like yeah, like doing these like kind of character focused things, especially especially Klaus because Klaus, I mean, he was off on his own. Like like there's definitely there's room for you know at the very least the six issue miniseries. But yeah, if you like Umbrella Academy, you like Gerard Way. If you like just crazy weird comics, honestly, I don't think you even have to have read the previous volumes. If you're just like familiar with the show, like check it out for sure. It's a lot of fun. Even though the title is really clunky, but I don't know. You look like it's, I know it's like very, I don't know, like long emo song title, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun and, <laughs> and it's kind of delayed. For, it was delayed because of COVID. So I've been waiting for this one for a long time. So it's nice to finally like have it hit that inbox. When so. you say gorilla earlier, is that G O R or G U E R? Oh, it's like a. It's actually, I think I think it's actually a chimpanzee. Oh, nice. Got, okay. So it's a chimpanzee, um, vampire chimpanzee drug lord. Sweet. Okay. And named uh, Shivers, because um, <laughs> you, you know we have your good chimpanzee pogo. Now you get your like. Yeah. And it's it's great, and they don't hold back. It's like. Like the scenes with Shivers are like pure like like uh, exploitation movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this great double page spread of Culbert. It's like it's like uh, kind of like really sleazy funeral parlor red light district vibes. It's really good. Like there's lots of fun background details in the in his art too. He's really awesome. I don't. Do you, are you guys familiar with his art at all? I and J Culbert. No, I haven't seen it before. Yeah, I think I think he's bigger in the UK. He's done a lot of stuff for 2000 AD. And I'm trying to think he did. um, I think he's done some stuff with uh, Paul Cornell. And what's he? Yeah, you'd have to show me a picture. I'm terrible with names. Oh, a couple things. He's done some uh, Lovecraft adaptations. 
Um, okay. For the self-made hero. I think that's like his most, most of his work are these Lovecraft adaptations. But yeah, he's really, and then he did a book called Wild's End that had like animals and fantasy stuff. I don't know if, for Boom, but yeah, he isn't, I hope this one gets some, some more like mainstream American recognition. Maybe, I don't know. It sounds interesting. Definitely. Uh, do, I do like a really Kennedy. So. Yeah, who knows when volume four is going to drop, but, but we got this, like, it's, it's smart. A lot, a lot of series do, uh, have done it, like the, the whole prequel model. If it's done right, like if it's a story that like actually needs to be told and it doesn't come off as filler, like it works for sure. No, like the stuff with like with a black hammer, like definitely. Yeah. And Hellboy, like just basically like Dark Horse books. <laughs> yeah. It just works for them. But the but, but our main course this week is not a Dark Horse book. It is we're doing Copra Round One by Michelle Fife. So Copra is basically so copra like honestly the story behind the making of copra is almost as interesting as the book basically in 2012 this struggling cartoonist named michelle fife cuban-american cartoonist wanted to see if he could be like jack kirby and do a monthly comic and just even though he wasn't you know it was self-published he did it and he had previously done a, a suicide squad fan comic called dead zone so that that great Ostrander, John Ostrander, Camille, Luke McDonald, Suicide Squad was fresh on his brain. So he did Copra. And it was self-published for a while. I remember it came out. And so the, the, we're covering the first six issues that came out originally between 2012 and 2013. And I remember, yeah, Copra was this like book that like everyone, it was like, it was like that great album, like back in the day, like that great band that only a few people had heard, but everyone like, loved it so much, um, like big names. Like if you look in the back, like Klaus Janssen, Brian Michael Bendis, but yeah. So it's like, then, then a few years later, like Image picks it up and that's, that's where we get the trades. And now it's like ongoing with Image. So I'd read some of the first issues of the ongoing. And I was very confused because <laughs> mm -hmm. there had been 31 previous issues. Exactly. Okay. I, tried, I actually tried to read the first issue by myself as well before reading any of this. And same thing. Oh, of the, the ongoing? Of the new ongoing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to go back and read the other mm -hmm. ones. But yeah, so basically the basic plot of Copra is, so in the first issue, it's a team of mercenaries led by someone, by Sonia, who's very similar to Amanda Waller. Mm -hmm. And they're framed for blowing up the um, town of Manhead, who is one of the main, the main characters. Bronze Tiger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. And and then they're on the run and going against this this crazy geometrical um bad guy named Vetus. And then they run into characters in the past and yeah, and they end up in a big crazy globe spinning fight. So yeah. Um yeah, and it has really good action. I love the art style. Uh so Darcy, what what did you think of Cobra? Um Again, I hate saying I don't like things, but I, this is definitely not for me. Um, I can see why people like it. I can see why people love it. I can see why it got the acclaim it did. But it is not 
at all for me. Um, there are things in it I do like, and so I'm definitely going to start there because I like to kind of start with things I enjoy. I thought like the non-human elements were really very creative and very clever. You mentioned Betus, and I thought that like character design was incredibly well done, very striking, very interesting. A lot of the panel design, especially like um, like the summoning part, I thought the panel design there was really really well done. The lettering was really, really clever. The, like, with the onomatopoeias were well done. I liked that a lot. But I'm just not a Suicide Squad fan at all, pretty much ever. So when we take that into consideration, I just, from a base level, I'm not really interested in that type of story. So to get me involved is harder in the first place. And there just wasn't really a connection of emotionality with me. And I think it's, if you've been paying attention to me and what I'm interested in, emotionality really matters for me. And it just didn't connect for me. There were parts where it was obvious there were attempts. And like with the dead wife and kid, you just don't see him and you don't see his face often enough. And when you do see his face, the human art just wasn't great from my perspective. The non-human art was so much better. Like when they're in costume, right? When they're in costume yeah. and just the inorganics were so good and so clever that yeah. the organics just didn't really fit as well for me. And the plot that was, you know, like the plot elements were going so well that the emotional elements were kind of glossed over. It was, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, which were important, but uh, I don't know. I just never really cared about the characters. And if you wanted me to care about the characters, there was nothing there to make me care about the characters. Like it wasn't until I think it was issue six that we ever got tags thrown up for the characters with names and who they were. And you're taking off masks and putting on masks and these, it was hard to keep up with them at times because yeah. things were pretty chaotic and if I don't know who these characters are because they're new characters, I've got some idea because they were analogs for characters in other worlds. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of connecting with who they are and who they're supposed to be. But I don't need to be thinking of, oh, this is somebody from a different comic in a different universe. I need to be thinking of who they are in this story. So I really needed to try to remember is who is this? What is their name? What is their story? But because like, I really, what I really wanted was like an issue three or whatever, when they hooked up with everybody at that warehouse, <laughs> who was that character who had all the friends who tried to kill them? That guy, when they were at oh, that warehouse. Oh, the, the, the roommate. Oh, I love that issue. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was so funny. I, I, I wanted there, like when they're all sitting around chatting, like I wanted names connected there. Mm -hmm. But even that issue, I, I really kind of hated that issue because they were all so, uh, I don't know, like when the two girls were talking about who they would sleep with or not sleep with, it was like, 
Oops, that scene really cracked me up. <laughs> it, it was so boring to me. It was so dull. It was just, I, I don't know. I, I hate, I hate, I hate not liking a thing. I, because it's obvious they worked really hard on it. And it's obvious they put a lot into it. And I, I, hate saying it but I just didn't like it I found it really boring and I'm so sorry no 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 it's all no it's all good you don't be sorry <laughs> I think I think this is this is, I think this is one comic where you either like this is the coolest shit ever or yeah. like this sucks like yeah it, it just it's very definitely it just wasn't for me and I, again I understand why people really really liked it and there were things in it that I did think were very interesting but yeah it just very definitely was not for me Cool. I'm really curious, Brian, I'm really curious to get your, because you're, a, you really like the, the Ostrander Suicide Squad stuff, right? Yeah. And, and um, that's the thing is, is that, I mean, like from what I've read of the Ostrander uh, um, Suicide Squad, I, I do, I do enjoy and, and, and see, but in general, if, you know, except for the, the newest Tom Taylor Suicide Squad, usually things that have that name on it, um, you know, except for this Ostrander version, um, I really not enjoyed. So, but, but that's where the, that's where it comes into this. Um, you know, like, like, like Darcy. Like, you know, I'm not a huge fan. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm a Suicide Squad stan or a fan. I, a huge fan. You know, like I'm not going to read a book because it's Suicide Squad. But there are teams and there's characters, obviously, that it's just because it has that name on it. I'm going to at least pick up the first issue. Um, but. Um, at the same time, I like the concept of like the Suicide Squad, and so and I just feel like it's just never done, done well. So I did. So this book, I think, it, the word potential is was ringing in my head a lot. Like this book has like I'm gonna definitely read the next second chapter, third chapter of this book. This book might have not fully hit what you know what i wanted you know like but at the same time um you know i like where he's going i actually but one of the things i really like about about him about the the way the comic book is written and drawn is i like the way the action is mapped out um it's 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 you know it, even though it is chaotic it, it can it can be it's a lot easier to follow than it should be it sometimes it seems like as well even though the characters do sometimes get very samey looking um at you know during these fights but at least you can kind of tell where the ballet of the fight is going and and then i also like the fact that the the art style really lends a hand to the ultra violence in some parts of this where you're seeing blood and guts literally in this but since it is is drawn in such a scratchy cartoonist style it does it's it's, it's not vulgar and so yeah. you get the, you get the idea but it's it's not there and because the character okay i love tropes i love character I love, I love, you know, like when you can be like, oh, this is a Batman type character, you know, like Midnighter and stuff like that, you know, it's like, or this is like, you know, this is yeah, it's, it's a good, uh, it's a good shorthand to just get you into the story. Yeah, and but at the same time, I feel he leaned too close to those characters because, I mean, the fact that the Captain Boomerang character, who's in DC Comics, is named Digger Harkness, and the character's name is Harkness. It's the same last name. You know, like it, it, it was some some parts of that was a little too lazy, and 
the the Deadshot is wearing red and white with a white mask. I mean, and oh, so Lloyd, Lloyd, yeah, 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 and Lloyd and Floyd Lawton. And I like, mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, a, uh, I'm like, I'm, a, I'm honestly, I'm okay with that, but yeah. And see, with me, the, the it took me out of the story because, like, as Darcy like had said, it's it's, I kept on thinking of them as I know them as the characters that uh, from from other comics you know i i i was hard for me to think of this the sonia as sonia instead of amanda waller you know and like and so and just earlier when when you were just uh, talking about manhead i couldn't think of who that was until i was like oh yeah that was bronze tiger you know like, like you know yeah like, i didn't i didn't i didn't know who would what uh analog that was yeah um, yeah and i like i mean i'm i'm okay like and oh we didn't even talk about see Everyone says this is like a Suicide Squad analog, but it's also like kind of like a, a like there's so much Steve Ditko in this book. There is, and there's a lot of Jack Kirby as well with the yeah. the, the obvious third world. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when they go in the uh, what is it, the anti zone? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. so fucking awesome. I love that. Those are like some of my favorite scenes, and like they just because I mean yeah, we've seen like if you've read enough superhero comics, enough sci-fi, these movies and stuff, like you've seen like interdimensional travel but i just i love just the color pencil cover and then just like the kind of swapping places yeah that was that was a lot of the art that i liked yeah Yeah, that was that issue no that was like the first couple issues um because issue two is like the full the full ditko dr strange Mm -hmm. like using the like he's he's going through like he's climbing through like the The grids panels it was so Mm -hmm. cool yeah, that's, that's yeah. I really like that one. That's that's a thing. Like, I came into Copra. I didn't. Ex- I mean, I didn't come in expecting like originality. I I just I just kind of wanted to watch you know Fife kind of do his thing. And honestly, like, what's I mean, he's done similar things like in the more licensed realm with like GI Joe and like Bloodstrike. And I think he even did a Daredevil story that was really good. Like, I actually reread it. Um, I'm like, he did he did a a Daredevil story, and it's really good. It's like like John Romita Jr. Daredevil, um, Klaus Jansen Daredevil homage. Um, but he's like, I don't know, he, he I, didn't, I didn't want to make this comparison, but I'm going to make it. He reminds me a lot of like, not in like, I guess, attitude and public persona as much, but in like, kind of like approach to influences, like like Quentin Tarantino. He like, like for example, I don't know, let's do, let's do Kill Bill. So Quentin Tarantino had watched a lot of these, you know, martial arts movie, these heroic bloodshed movies. And then he just set out to make the best damn one. So I think with Michelle Fife, he had read a lot of these, these 80s comics, um, these kind of 80s paramilitary comics. And then also I think some 60s ones too, um, especially in issue two. And he just wanted to go out and make, you know, the best damn version of those. Um, yeah. And put his own unique, uh, touch on it i can see that and i'm not the biggest fan of quentin tarantino and never will be yeah but i think i think the difference would be that there's a separation that exists uh kind of a cleaner separation this feels much closer to a fan comic which is perfectly fine again i referenced fan fiction just like 10 minutes ago i'm perfectly happy to exist within the realm of fan comics i love them i own some um but that's kind of not what i came in expecting it to be 
And my problem with it wasn't that it was a fan comic, though that was kind of an issue for me trying to read it, was that I was having problems separating the two when I was reading it because there wasn't such a clear delineation uh, just in keeping the character straight. My issue was, you know, kind of the chaos that existed in trying to keep the characters and their motivations in their emotions clear. That didn't exist for me. Um, that's never a problem with like Quentin Tarantino. You always know where they stand. There's always emotion that exists for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, see with Tarantino, I wasn't, I was just his, his approach to the different genres. Yeah. I wasn't like, that's why I didn't even yeah. want to make that comparison. And, and yeah, and then like Reservoir Dogs, like, you like especially like early like Reservoir Dogs uses a plot from a Hong Kong movie like mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's just that like people and then this is back in the 90s so people didn't know that as well but like we know but people know what and people Fife knows that people know what he's borrowing from more right um, yeah. yeah and and I like yeah there's like a big cast and it's really confusing like sometimes like the Jorge I forgot the Jorge guy existed until like the last issue um mm-hmm. Basically, I think, I think the, the best characters are the ones that stand out visually or like I can, can do something cool or have a fun, like, like I love, uh, what's his name, Patrick a lot. Cause he's like, I don't know. He's like a kid. Honestly, he reminds me a lot more of a, he's like a, he's like a, like a young blood. He reminds me a lot of a bad rock from young blood. Um, the ro- here we're going to talk bad, ro- bad rock. Oh, oh Patrick yeah. were the robot. Oh, guy. okay. Yeah, Patrick yeah. were, I don't know. Um, yeah, he reminds I a lot of bad. Remember his person name? Yeah, no, he reminds me a lot. Uh, I mean, it's in it. It says it in the first issue, like Patrick Dale. He's you know a fugitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, I and just... and the, oh, and there's a lot of Frank Miller too, especially like in the first issue. You get all those like crazy grids and like it's like the best. See, that's why it's like it's not just Suicide Squad. It's like '80s comics as a whole. Like good. It 80s reminded comics. me very much of '80s comics. Yeah, yeah. It's like, totally, it totally but, does. Um, not the biggest Frank Miller fan either. So yeah. again, it's very much not for me. Even his art style is very Frank Miller-esque. <laughs> yes, it know? is. Yeah, it is. I can, yeah. It very but much like, reminded me very much of Frank But it's Miller. like if Frank Miller could like ink and color his own work and letter his own work. <laughs> also, the, 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 fr- the lettering was so good. It stood yeah. out to me so much that the lettering was really good in this comic. There's... Yeah. It's once again, it's the potential of it. I mean, it's, you know, and I I like what he's borrowing from. I understand that this is like a tribute and it's, and it's a fan comic, but I feel like he, I think he bit off too much in the first, this, this first, this first round. I mean, I like the idea that this is not an origin story. This is, we're, we're just jumping into this, but, yeah. but because because he is using a lot of characters that are derivative of characters that we know, it, it prevents us from getting to know these characters. They're, well, they're almost like chess pieces. Well, it's definitely something I could see getting better because it did for me get better. Yeah. Like I thought issue six was better than issue one. You get the team together and, and then you get the big action scene. Like, yeah. Yeah. You get the big action scene and then, well, like, I don't want to be that guy, but like I've read like later on, like there are, individual like single issues that focus on the main cast nice. so yeah. so that's why that's why like you're saying that like the criticism i'm like like yeah it, he yeah he, he adjusts 
because yeah, this is crazy. This is a guy like these are these are done. In, uh, this is a guy writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, designing right. in a month. Like yes, no, I can I can see fun. all that. I like I said at the beginning. I I hate to say anything bad because I fully appreciate what's being done here. Is is yeah impressive work. It's just not work specifically designed for me, and. I, I hate to rag on that because I know a lot of people do like it and I fully mm -hmm. appreciate that. Well, like, oh, I think, totally. yeah, like, uh, I read, uh, I read one review of his book. Um, it's kind of funny. It was like for a site that Fife has written for before. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's that you guys, you guys don't know what site I'm talking about. If you're listening, um, that basically called it, a, called it like an action figure fight, which is totally true. And if you like, read mm -hmm. secret wars and all those crossovers like there there's no real interiority at all like maybe like at the Claire like the claremont stuff for sure um but like the stuff that like jim shooter wrote like those guys like it's all just like cool action figures doing cool things which i think that there's a lot of that in, in cobra but i don't yeah. know just more extreme I and more more there, freedom, less exp exposition. Like, I don't fucking need exposition. I just want to see. Yeah, there's a lot of good set pieces. And, and yeah. like I said, like, the action is is mapped out pretty good. And sometimes I get, I get lost in an action scene kind of easily sometimes. Um, and in, but not really in this one. Like, I kind of, mm -hmm. I, I got where things were going. And um, which, which the, to me, that this is, that's the bread and butter of this book is is the action oh like, yeah for is, sure this is your schlocky action film you know like this is you know you're 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 not going i mean even though the art is great and the and like the lettering and stuff the elements are great in this but you're you're in this for 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 the action you're in this for the violence you know so yeah it's really cool and like his yeah i think we've talked about his layouts like he can go from a strict nine or even a you know a frank miller 12 panel grid and then he can just completely do some crazy, like, I love, I forget which character. I think it's, I think it's Harkness because the, the throwing the objects, but like, he just throws it that like you're in the panel chilling out and then just like a knife or a bullet will just break the panel. And it, it's so cool. And it's like, and it's something you can really only do in comics. That's, I think that's one reason I, I like it is, is adapting this to another medium would be. Yeah. I mean, I think would be really weird and difficult. And I mean, you could do it, but it would just be like, people would be like, did they make a rip off of the losers or something? I don't know. But I think it just works, like it works really well in comics. Um, and especially like the, I, I know you guys read the digital copy, right? Yes. Just the old, yep. the, the old, the combination of like the old paper stock and then the like, the colored pencil colors, like, mm -hmm. it, it's like, man, I, I'm like, I'm like, I have it in trade, but I like kind of want to, get the single issues because this is one like you'll just like find in the old long box it's like it's like kind of an artifact of a time i mean but, th the paper itself is 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 the color of of the book yeah which is pretty cool you know he uses he uses that that manila kind of cardboardy color of the paper he drew on to to basically set the tones of, of this book this is pretty cool. Yeah. And honestly, like, I think I, like, there's some other books that I think could try to do similar things. Like Ed Piscor is like grand design, 
mm-hmm. and X-Men Grand Design. And I, I like this one better than it because he actually makes his own kind of fun, unique story. Whereas like Piscor is just doing like Wikipedia summaries. Um, yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. He's like, he at least kind of starts to like, once you get to the end, like as Darcy said, he kind of starts like to break into his own, own, own story. Well, definitely. And, and like I said, like I'm interested in reading the next couple volumes to see where this goes. Cause I can see the potential of this. This is, it's there. <laughs> definitely is. It's just, I feel like, I, th- I feel like he just had too many pieces on the field for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot. Um, yeah, for sure. But like, honestly, can, Oh, I'm sorry. You, you, you can go ahead. I could see why you'd start it that way because that's essentially why I don't know how you would start it any other way as a suicide squad type thing. You kind of have to start it with that many pieces on the board. So it makes sense why it starts that way, but it did seem to need to get moving that fast. I just, I, I mean, I don't know how I would have done it differently and that's rude to say anyway, but it, it just did need to get a few issues to kind of set its own pace for me. Yeah. I mean, like there, there's some moments where you're like, they're like, like when he's recruiting some of the team members, like the, the count, um, the count for, I'm just going to say the count for go in analog and, uh, but he's cool. He's like the way he's like, I like, sound, yeah, I like that, that's very yeah. Kirby. That's Kirby for yeah. sure. Um, totally. Like Count, count Composta is his name. And also uh, Lloyd. It's just like, it's like they're, they're really kind of rushed quick one-pagers trying to get them mm-hmm. on the team. Um, which, which is kind of sad because like some like my favorite moments in like older like 80s, 90s comics, like I'm thinking Busaic's Avenger, Busaic and Perez's Avengers. And then of course, you know, the, the, the Giffen, Demetes, McGuire, Justice League are like the recruitment drives. And I think even Grant Morrison did it in JLA, just like the montage of characters who may join the team. And I don't know, that, that's something he could have sampled, but I guess he ran out of pages. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. So like, and also like, I, I liked, I, so I came in, like, I came in, I knew I was a fan of Fifa's art, as you guys can probably tell. I follow artists way more than characters. Like, I could give a shit who's writing Deadshot right now, but I'll favor all my favorite artists um to the end of the end of the earth but I but i was really surprised by how fun his dialogue was like just that opening scene where they're just shooting the shit about like birth like birthday presents and like and then uh and what's his name manhead is just like trying to keep his buddy from not getting too close and just and like i think darcy said this like i kind of i kind of wanted more of them just like hanging out and shooting the shit like <laughs> like I really love the scene where they were rating the guys on the team because who hasn't had a conversation about, I mean, I know like who, who's not attracted, like attracted to men has had that conversation about like different superheroes and shit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's, it's like, I'm like, I like it. I like it. It's definitely like very heterosexual lens for sure. Cause he's just trying mm-hmm. to like do the whole like, Oh yeah, guys objectify women. And I'm going to flip it. It's like very basic, but it was fun, and it was it was a good kind of just chill out moment, <laughs> uh, for sure. I yeah, I just wish it would have been. I don't know. Yeah, I just I really hated that conversation a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I, I wish it would have been more together. I just girls talking about guys felt very cliche to me. I yeah, I didn't like it. It doesn't pass the Bechtel test. It didn't pass the Bechtel test. Does this book pass the Bechtel test? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, Sophia and uh, Zania talked about the shard. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Oh, Zania's awesome. Zania is so Zania, much Zania mm-hmm. had a lot of potential. I liked her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think they're setting her up for more. Yeah, she's definitely left at the end of the book. So I could see that. Definitely. Yeah, and it's it's cool. And honestly, I think she's the one who even has a little bit of an art because she starts out, she's like very demure, very like like Wong and Clea's love child. And then by yeah. the end, she's like mm-hmm. calling the shots. And she has like, and, and yeah, I don't want to like how FIFA uses thought bubbles. He brings them back. Like, he's like, screw, you know, sorry, this, this narration's shit that, you know, these, these guys like Scott Center and Tom King used to cover their pages. Screw that. Yeah. I'm going to do thought bubbles. And mm-hmm. I think he uses them well, too. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and then also like the way the word, the, you know the word bubbles um like that that one alien um lady with the the brain oh die 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 yeah and and how it's like a little squiggly almost like a telephone cord oh yeah like i i just you know it kind of does help lend a voice to every every one of these characters you know you kind of get an idea of what they're supposed to sound like yeah you get yeah like yeah that's like the good the good lettering is when you can hear their voices and i'm i'm glad the lettering is one thing we could all agree on like <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, all all clever. The lettering, the onomatopoeias. It, it kind of reminded me. Oh, no, there were a couple of parts that reminded me of. Uh, have you read Concrete? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. That's great. Yeah, there were a couple of like visual moments that really reminded me of Concrete yeah. that I really liked. Oh, that's a classic. And yeah. so, and that brought that back to me. So there were some classic feels to it that I was like, oh you know what, I really kind of liked this. And again, that was kind of like non-human elements that I really enjoyed. A lot of uh, distinct, uh, what would I call, almost architectural points I really, really liked. And I don't know what that means, but that's how I felt. Yeah, there, no, there's a lot of cool cool geometry-like stuff. Yeah. Which, which is like, you know, a lot of like, yeah, going back to Ditko, he uses a lot of ge- cool geometry. Um, Kevin Nolan, yeah. he did... Um, Dr. Sh- and he's another guy who pencil ink color like mainstream comics and yeah so like and I like the geometry like the geometry in the world balloons like instead of instead of like coming up with some bullshit name for like the the various MacGuffins in this book they just like throw up a cool symbol yeah the weapon with the thing yeah, yeah with like the three I know like he's a he was a fun Rax has fun too I don't, I don't know like I, I like these guys. I like the, I like these guys a lot. I like this team a lot. Um, I don't care if they're see. I'm like I also like things like Black Hammer. It's just like you know, I, I think these ideas are iconic enough that you can take yeah. you know, file off the serial numbers and just do a fun like if DC was publishing a Suicide Squad comic that was as good as Copra, I would be like okay. But the Black, Black Hammer though, like those characters. There were they yeah they started out you know like there's obviously the Martian Man right. there's obviously Captain America like there's obviously like those yeah. characters but they're but it's but 
Lemire is able to put them in situations that are different than what the situations they are in the comics. And in this, it, these, these could have easily been the same DC characters. He could have wrote the script for Suicide Squad and then said, oh, no, and got, got rejected and just wrote this book, essentially. Which, honestly, I think more creators should do. Like, I mean, that's what, what Steve Orlando and is doing with yeah. Commanders in Crisis. Like, like yeah, I mean, because I feel, because, like, I'm going to, you know what, this is an indie comics podcast, so fuck it. I'm going to shit on Marvel and DC. I feel like Marvel and DC, even though they occasionally will push the envelope and experiment with things, they're all just, you know, I trying to, you know, maintain the IP. You can't change too much. Mm-mm. The illusion, as Stan Lee said, the illusion of change. And Whereas even in Suicide Squad, like, yeah, they're going to kill off, like, I'm gonna t- I like the current Suicide Squad comics. I'm not going to lie. Like, they've done a good job introducing some new characters. But Deadshot's not going to stay dead. No. He's, he, if you're in, like, there's certain characters who are taboo, but then if you get something like Cobra, like, where, you know, yeah. you can do whatever the fuck you want. And, I like and that's the potential I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, because, because yeah, you, 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 can, you can kill Deadshot, you can kill you know, any character you want to in this, because this is, those aren't the characters, you know, from, from DC, you know, so that's, that's what's nice about it. And, you know, I, I like the current Suicide Squad because it's, it's ingenious to introduce a bunch of brand new characters that have no ties. So now everyone could die. And, and yet they still have, it's still, there's still feelings towards those characters too. Like, you know, they made them likable and, and, and relatable. So, so, so therefore, if they do die, you, you, it's sad. <laughs> I have no opinion about this. I'm not reading Suicide Squad. <laughs> well, and, the, and, and the idiot's really boring, too. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. It can yeah. be good sometimes. It's like one of those things where, like, yeah. I don't know. I just, I'll, I'll take the... The only place DC puts their good art is Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, or, if I mean... Or like the young animal, black label. If, yeah. if you told me that I was enjoying a Suicide Squad and a Deadpool comic at the same time, I would say you were crazy. But right now, that's what's happening. Okay, so. off, off Marvel DC. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 it's all good. No, no, that, that was me. That was me. I'm, I'm just saying, like, like my, my my overarching point was, yeah, like it's yeah, it's, we do like, things. So if you can't sell your book, do it yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. yeah, more people should do that. Like, for sure. I can, I, I can totally see it, and I'm totally here for it. Cause you know, make more characters gay. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Like, resounding whatever. By gay, I mean queer. Uh, but for me, file off those serial numbers just a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just a tad. A little yeah. bit more. Yeah, well, if you want, yeah, definitely check out Commanders in Crisis. I, I got similar. I, I keep meaning to. I keep meaning to. I just I've it's, been reading it's, so it's, friggin' much. No, 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 no. It's yet. fun. It's not even out. I mean, it's <laughs> not even out yet. So I mean, the, the final order cutoffs next week. But yeah, I kind of like I've been reading that in the same week with Cobra, and I'm just like, that's cool. We got my my like crazy crossover Marvel, then George Perez DC, and then I got my edgy bad boy John Ostrander, dirty like. I love I love shitty D-list characters. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm surprised I haven't met, met, mentioned Secret Six. Like I like characters that are just <laughs> who get like and and I, and I just I, and I want an artist. I want a creator to make me like him. It's 
pretty much my goals. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe the art for sure, maybe the characters in Copra not as much, but I'm down. I, I, I liked it a lot for sure. Any any final thoughts on Copra round one? I, again, I, since it is something that is not for me and as a general storyline is not for me, did not like it, I did find a lot to like in it. Uh, so again, there's a lot of really good, interesting art decisions that are made. Uh, there are some interesting character designs. There are some interesting characters inside of the story. If you are a Suicide Squad fan, there's definitely something there for you. Um, just because I don't like it de definitely doesn't mean you're not going to like it. Uh, so there's something worth looking for there. So if you don't like Suicide Squad, I I'd definitely think maybe this isn't going to be for you. Um, but if you do, don't take my opinion into account. All right, let's, let's go from Suicide Squad to like 80s action movies. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like the, no, I no, love no. 80s action movies. No, no, there's like very much, like, yeah, there's very much. Like I, I, I love 80s action movies and I still didn't like this. I don't think that's a fair comparison. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but 80s action movies, you're not, you don't care about like the emotions and shit. You just. I do. What? <laughs> Like, I do. Commando? I care. I I care about the emotions in Commando. I, I yeah. care about the emotions in well, Die Hard. Well, there's some. I, I mean, there, there, there's emotions in here too. Yeah. They they try, but they don't do well. That's what I'm saying. The human element is not well done. No, totally. It, I, I I agree. And again, I, I feel bad about saying it, but it's just not. It's not the best. Well, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not the best part of the story. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you wanted a fucking human story, go go watch something out the Criterion Collection. <laughs> oh, uh, he's got human characters in the story <laughs> that he kills off early on and makes it like the underlying. It's a it's a revenge story. It's a revenge plot. Yeah. And, and I don't care about the revenge plot. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's the basic revenge plot. I mean, whatever. Right. <laughs> so I should care about, I should care about it. He's supposed to be sad that his son and wife died. The last page is, or the second to last page, something like that is, I want my memory, my final memory to be, of something good my wife and my child and as i've said many times over the whatever this podcast i'm an easy mark for tears mm -hmm. and i thought oh that was a good choice but i didn't feel the slightest bit of emotion about it because this was not the emotionality of it was not well placed it was not well fed not everything's a tearjerker i'm sorry I mean, I'm I'm not saying it has yeah. to be. I'm just saying that that was not well. <laughs> but if there's a scene in there that's supposed to be a tearjerker scene, like that scene is supposed to right. evoke emotion, right. and it, and that was kind of the same way. I'm I'm a crybaby, <laughs> and yeah. I and 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 I felt kind of the same way. Like I actually had to read it twice to realize that he was dying. 
yeah. you know, and that's what this was. Like I had to read that 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 last scene, and and so um, yeah, it's it's a great effort, and I like it, and I I like it like for what it is. I feel like it could be better, and I feel that for for what it is, it's great. Like you know, like the the self created comics and more people need to do that you know like you know get their ideas out on on page and and paper you know just and um and and just create create it create art you know but you know the the, it's obviously um a first attempt and or or an early attempt at least um and and i can see it getting better like i would if i was like an editor and i saw this i would be like you know like great great start let's do it again you know i would i would i would be very much cool like wanting to work with this talent and wanting to to develop it because it's there you know or you would um make this talent draw in your way and cross over into 10 other books because that's what that's what editors do well yeah that's true sometimes that's that's a whole conversation um with editor like the role of an editor Mm -hmm. um definitely but yeah, no, I like, yeah, it's definitely, I, I've heard the book, like I, I didn't give it, you know, the full five-star treatment on Goodreads because I know that, yeah, there's room for improvement for sure. Uh, but yeah, Michel Fife kicks tons of ass and he's, he's an artist who will definitely look out for his work. I want to read his early shit. Um, Zegas is, is one of it. It's more, it's supposed to be more, um, more human and less, like way different than this. Like every, it's kind of funny because like everyone knows him from Cobra and then other books like, like Cobra, like the blood strike reboot and the GI Joe, um, Sierra Muerte book he did like all these like action eighties pastiches. But apparently before that he was doing like these kind of love and rocket style, like more, uh, more, uh, more interiority. Um, life. Yeah. Like, the book's called Zegas. And he also did a body horror book that's out at um, body horror romance. So I, I, I kind of made me like, okay, like he could do this action shit role, but what about his other stuff? So, uh, but it's like really hard to find. Oops. That's, that's one thing, fun thing about indie comics is like finding weird stuff on eBay and I don't know. I'm probably the only one. <laughs> no, no, it's, yeah, it, it's great. It's like, finding, it's like, like record shopping. It's just great to find that rarity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. Cool. All right. So yeah, that was, that was Cobra, yay. <laughs> so what are you guys looking forward to? Brian, what are you looking forward to in this upcoming week? Uh, what am I looking forward to? Um, actually, I have a fun one this week um, that I'm actually really excited about. Um, it is the adaptation of Kurt Vonnegut's classic Slaughterhouse Five, um, which is written by um, the Dinosaur Comics great slash Squirrel Girl great Ryan North. And art by Albert uh, Montes, uh, who is a Spanish artist. I don't know much about him, but from the interiors I've seen so far, um, I'm all for it. And Vonnegut's difficult, <laughs> and and I I don't trust a lot of writers to get Vonnegut's voice and satire correct, but I do trust that north can do it it's he has that kind of wink in his eye that i felt like vonnegut had you know like where he it's like he can be told ball face seriousness and 
talking about the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, uh, I saw yeah Ryan North doing Slaughterhouse Five. I'm like, I'm oh, in. I know. I kind of wanted to put that one as my my looking for, but I, I deferred. I deferred. It's okay. There's other <laughs> good comics out there. Uh, Darcy, what are you looking forward to? Uh, this week, I'm looking forward to Sue and Tai Chan. Uh, it is a manga by uh, Konami Kanata, which you might know from uh, Cheese Sweet Home, which is a fabulous and much well-loved uh, cat manga and anime. Um, it is kind of chi adjacent. Uh, basically, the idea is you've got two cats this time. Yay, more cats is better cats. Yes. Uh, so Sue is an older cat, a tabby cat, and kind of looking to be an older cat alone, which I think anybody with cats has that whole, oh, now I only have one cat and they're an older cat. Uh, maybe I'll get a new cat and you love it, but your older cat may be less happy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. they bring in a uh, young black cat named, um, I just said the name and I just forgot it, Tai Chan. So it's Sue and Tai Chan, baby cat. So you've got an older tabby cat and a younger black cat and I got this recommendation uh, this book was uh, recommended to me uh, by friend of the pod or friend of most of the people on this pod all the people on this pod uh, Rebecca who also has a tabby cat and a little cool. black Rebecca, cat Rebecca's dope yeah. she's no longer who is no longer a little black cat she kind of has the same situation in her house so she thought it was hilarious and I love cheese sweet home so uh, this book comes out on the 15th so it is a this week book cool this is and gorgeous if, if you've if you've read cheese sweet home you know the art is great so the art on this is adorable very cutesy very suited for young readers or adult readers or anyone who loves cat manga which is generally just cute uh sort of stuff um and it's being put out i think by random house penguin random house nice awesome that sounds really cute it's, it's I, you know, I've not read this. This is new, but Chi is adorable. It's one of my favorite cat comics. Mine too. I like Chi a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't this, read. <laughs> I'm looking at, I, don't, I'm looking don't at some of the artwork. Don't read Chi? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I, I was going to say I don't read cat comics, but I'm like, oh yeah, I, I love Junji Ito's cat diary. It's so good. Picked up at a con. Cat con. Yeah, no, that's that's good too. She yes. she is just kind of like pure cat goodness. I was gonna I was gonna say I don't read cat comics. I read um, indie comics that are mainstream comics. The serial numbers filed off because my <laughs> my looking forward to this week is heavy number one from Max Bemis, who now yet another um, the lead singer of Say Anything, yet another emo singer who's done quite well in comics. I really like, I really liked his Fool Killer. I really liked his Moon Knight run. Uh, Lucy Dreaming was a, was a good fun fantasy series. He even did a centipede mini, a post-apocalyptic centipede yeah. series for Dynamite. Fuck Dynamite. But it was good. Worst, worst X-Men ever too was great. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot. I haven't actually read that one. Um, yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that one. And then oh. art by Eric Donovan, who I, I know Eric, he's cool. Um, he, yeah. So it's, it's a good team and it's basically supposed to be like the Punisher, but more, um, the Punisher, but with more neuroses, more focusing on the mental health side of things, which, I mean, if you've listened to any of like, Say Anything songs or read any of, you know, Bemis's writing, like for comics, like he was a great pick for Moon Knight. 
um, it's something that like means a lot to him and he, he like cares about that stuff as well as you know the, the crazy awesome violence so I'm looking forward to it it looks cool um, looks really cool from from vault and it looks kind of a little, a little bit different from what vault does so I like it yeah because yeah we've done, we've covered a lot of vault books oh <laughs> we covered one last week yes and vault's cool like they're they're slowly becoming this great little great fun like kind of genre twisty publisher and and like with uh good with good visuals so I'm excited like i know i know i know eric's art will be awesome cool all right so um brian where can folks find you online um <laughs> well they can find me on uh instagram at um, Bryjin underscore CB. Uh, I will spell it once again. It's uh, B-R-A-I-J-I-N. And um, and now on Twitter, uh, Bryjin2814. Um, I actually decided over the weekend that I wanted to uh, start doing something I used to do again, which was these uh, two-sentence reviews of comics. And I had never done them on Twitter before, but I decided that Twitter's actually have a decent place to do yeah. them. Microblogging, right? They used, yeah, they so, used to call it microblogging. <laughs> yeah. And when I, w- I got burnt out when I was doing it the first time because I was doing like 20, 30 a week. Damn, and son. Damn, <laughs> that's damn. too much. And I was like, oh, it's only two sentences. It's really easy. I can. J-. But then you have to think, you know, about all those comics and like and, and not make them all sound the same either you know so um i'm you know doing three or four of my favorites of the week and and uh and started yesterday so definitely check out brygen 2814 on twitter if you want my quick glib uh reviews on books i like awesome darcy where can folks find you on the internet i am on twitter at books underscore serial and I have a website at booksandserial.wordpress.com where this week I will be posting about last weekend's uh, uh, DC fandom uh, live. It actually wasn't live. They kind of fooled us about that. But uh, Superman, Adventures of Superman radio show done by uh, honest-to-goodness celebrities. <laughs> yeah, it looked really cool, didn't Stephen Stephen Yen voice Superman? Uh, I don't think so. My uh, the one I liked the best was Daniel Day Kim. Oh, I love Daniel. He's a great actor. Yeah, he did a really good job. He's now my pick hmm. for like just a movie. He just needs to do Superman in a movie. I know he's like fifty something, but he yeah. could do it. He could be an older Superman. I don't care. He no. was great. He had he had glasses on and everything. He was amazing. I loved him. Really, really good jawline too. <laughs> yeah, that, excellent I, I, jawline. I like him. Let's see. He's yeah. He's yeah. Mostly seen his TV stuff, but cool. All right, and you can find me at Midnighter Bay B A E on Twitter. And you know, screw it. I'll throw my Instagram too. My Instagram is Pride Parker P R Y D E Parker. Um, I, I do post comic stuff on there. And yeah, you can also find my writing at Graphic Policy. I'm actually going to do a, a review of Heavy Number One this week. So um, you can see my actual thoughts on the book. So, yep. Yeah. And then you can follow the pod at CDBPod on Twitter and comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. And most of all, be sure to subscribe to us, Comics Deserve Better, uh, Spotify, iTunes, 
um, wherever you get your podcasts. And, you know, read some, read some fun comics. You know, you could read some cat comics, read some, uh, some 80s pastiches, whatever floats your boat. Just read some good comics this week. Please. And that's it.